Now, Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. Here's your host, Chris Story. You never can tell. You never can tell what your thoughts will do in bringing you hate or love. For thoughts are things and their airy wings are swifter than a carrier dove. They follow the law of the universe. Each thing must create its kind and speed over the track to bring you back whatever went out from your mind. Ella Wheeler Wilcox Today on Millionaire, what city saw 350% increase in home values? Plus, hybrid appraisals, is that a good thing or not? We'll discuss, and the Lambo in the land of the blind, and what's that smell anyway? And a lot more, stick around. Watching a new television, it's not new, I can't say that it's new, but Tiffany and I just discovered on Hulu a show, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. I'll remember it before the program's over, and because I want to share it with you, because it le- it's prompted Tiffany and I to have a conversation. I think it's an interesting conversation, and I'll share part of that with you. In today's market, how in the world can you find a property that'll cash flow? This is a conversation I had with somebody the other day. They asked me, I was in their store shopping, and they know what I do. And they asked me that very question, how on earth can you find something today in today's economy, today's market, how can you find a deal that'll cash flow? So here's what I shared with this person, and I'll share it with you. You know this. You listen to The Backyard Millionaire. You know this. 110.31, period, end of story, make a game of it. So Dolph DeRusse's formula is 110.31. You will look or could look, have to look, get to look at 100 properties. That's a lot of work. But if it's a game and it's something you enjoy, and it is for me, Tiffany and I love the art of looking for real estate, at real estate. And so it's enjoyable in analyzing deals. In fact, we just went through this and inculcated my father, who uh, was a general contractor to, at a previous life. And we just went through this. And almost like one of the early iterations of X rockets or whatever Elon Musk's company's called, but the rockets went up and down almost as quickly. That, that's how this most, late, uh, most recent or the latest investment scheme that we were putting together, it went. It went just like that. It just blew up immediately because the cost was so great and the return just wasn't there. But it was, we had fun anyway. And then we, we pivoted on that same property. We kind of pivoted and said, well, wait a minute. What if we do this? And that's the game. We enjoy it. So 100 properties, maybe what you have to look at. So if you live in a small market, that's a lot. Maybe, maybe that's a couple of years worth of looking. But if you're not looking, you won't find it. And remember, deals of the decade are rarely found, they're made. So you have to be constantly on the lookout, eyes wide open. And out of those 100, however long it takes you, out of those 100, maybe 10 will rise to the top of the bowl. Punch bowl, by the way, not toilet bowl, punch bowl, punch bowl. And out of those 10, you take a deeper dive and probably call it down to three. And out of those three, you may end up with a property. And to me, that's not daunting. To me, that's not overwhelming. That's not disarming or kind of like, oh, man, 
No, it's exciting. 100, 10, 3, 1. It's a formula and it never fails. But eyes must be wide open. So a couple of years back, Tiffany and I turned out um, to be in possession of an opportunity and we took it and seized upon it. And it was a superb deal. Right at the height of what our market seen, we still found a superb deal. Yes, we did. And it, what I love about the deal and what's sad about the deal is the sellers were in distress. But what I love about it is we were able to alleviate that stress and distress. We were able to alleviate it. We got a terrific rental house at just below market value. They got to avoid a foreclosure and walk away with a few bucks in their pocket. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, sure, you know, you're a broker. You see the deals before other people. And that's not the case. This has been on the market for over 90 days. Other people couldn't see it. That's all. It wasn't either in their hundred that they were looking at or they just didn't see what we saw. And so we were able to help this homeowner out of a horrible situation they were in. And we were able to then end up with a, a beautiful investment, purchased it below market value. And it's been a great cash flowing rental property for us ever since. So again, it was how we looked at it. Do you ever look through one of those prisms and you just shift it a little bit and everything changes, but now you don't shift the prism. You just shift your body. You're holding it and you just shift into the light and suddenly it refracts completely different and it looks totally different. So it's just about looking differently at the market, looking at it as though there were a hundred facets on this market. You're not just looking at the market. You're going to maybe look at a hundred different properties before you land on your deal of the decade. Have you heard about hybrid appraisals? What's wrong with a hybrid appraisal anyway? Well, NER defines a hybrid appraisal. I, this is new to me, by the way. I was not even aware of this until the National Association of Realtors brought it to my attention. Uh, here's what a hybrid appraisal is. And <laughs> this word is hard to believe. This is in a news report. Hybrid appraisals, a newish approach. <laughs> newish approach to appraisal in which a third party performs the property inspection and provides the information to the licensed or certified appraiser who uses this information as well as other data points to complete the appraisal. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all. Now, when they say a newish approach, what I think NAR is meaning is that appraisers have always had people in their employee. I mean, there, there are appraisal firms, there are individual independent appraisers that have somebody that's either coming up through the ranks that they're training or somebody in their employee that can go out and do some of this data gathering for them. But I do not like the concept of subcontracting that out to a third party that really isn't under the auspices of this particular appraiser because that's their job. And, and it's not just, oh, I don't want them to be able to, to scale their business. Of course not, I don't mind that. I don't mind them working more efficiently etc. I mean, I have, a, I have a concern that it's going to add cost to the already incredibly expensive process. It will add cost. There's no doubt about that. That, that, that third party isn't going to work for free. But, but the problem I've got is that they lose touch with the market. Appraisers need to be in the field. Appraisers need to be in the properties driving by the comps that they're using. If you see somebody drive up to your house or your property and they're in a pretty nice vehicle, 
and and somebody gets out, uh, um, you know, well-dressed individual gets out and starts taking pictures of your drive of your house from a couple different angles, there's a good chance they're with the government <laughs> or, no, I'm kidding. There's a really good chance they're an appraiser that's just simply using your house as a comp. If Let's say you purchased it in the last couple of years. That very well could be what it is. And that's what I want appraisers to continue to do. I want them in the field. I want appraisers having a fingertip feel for the market. I want them to understand and appreciate what, what your home, what your rental property, what your multifamily, I want them to see it in person, feel it, touch it, and go into the neighborhoods where comps are that they're gonna be using like they've always done. It's part of the process. Now here's why this newish approach is being even considered there is a shortage of appraisers. There's more deals happening. There's more demand than there is supply of appraisers. Well, how do you solve this? You don't start subcontracting out the, the really important facet of this job. You simply lower the barrier to entry. So instead of offshoring this piece of it, if you will, and, and trying to get it done cheaper and faster, so, let, so fewer people at the top of the pyramid, if you will, are, are making more and more money doing less and less. That isn't the right way to fix the bottleneck. The right way to fix the bottleneck is to allow more people into the business, into the industry, remove some of the regulations and the barriers to entry. For example, you might, if you're interested in becoming an appraiser, you might have to go talk some other independent appraiser into allowing yourself to study under them, be sort of their, their mentee, they your mentor for a year or more, knowing full well you're going to go out and compete with them. You're, they're basically training up their competition. So there's the lack of incentive and it, it creates a barrier to entry. This is what we need to be talking to the, the people, your, your legislators. You need to be talking to the people that make these kinds of decisions because trust me, the appraisal lobby is big and it, you know, in an attempt to protect the public, which I appreciate, is for sure putting up barriers to injury. So rather than go down this road of hybrid appraisals, why don't we just remove some of the roadblocks? I'm all for regulations that protect the public. I am absolutely all for it. You'll recall back in about 2008, we started to see in 2009, we started to see that there had been some scams whereby ne'er-do-well appraisers had been hooking up with uh, criminal lenders and criminal real estate brokers, and they were flipping properties and everybody was sharing in, in these ill-gotten gains uh, during a you know crazy run-up in the market. Of course we need regulation, and of course we need people that are honest and ethical and accountable, but there's got to, to be a way that we can increase the supply of appraisers without diluting their ability to really have a fingertip feel of the market, at least from my opinion. That's what I say. What did you say? Oh, no. I'm only the appraiser. <laughs> when there's not all the rain, there'll be days no. like this. When there's no one complaining, Just the appraiser. there'll be days like this. Everything falls into place. You're listening to the Backyard Millionaire. What's your soundtrack and more when we return right here? Stick around. There'll be days like this. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Christopher Story along with Mr. David Webb. He's the engineer and producer of the program. He was just telling me 
he is going to be replacing a ceiling fan that is a good probably 16 feet above the floor, the main floor. And there's also, you should know, a stair uh, stairway there. So there's so much, so much bingeable opportunity to watch this epic fail if it goes wrong. I mean, because let me, let me just explain to you. He is talking about using bungee cords. Also, there's been talk of carrying the new ceiling fan up in a backpack. This is going to be epic. If there's anything to see, I'll make sure you see it. And of course, we wish him Godspeed. What is your soundtrack? And it's not about the soundtrack of your life. Um, you know that kind of music that just washes over you? be it jazz or classical, maybe yours is rock and roll. Tiffany and I, I, I know the soundtrack of my life because when Tiffany and I are in the kitchen cooking together, which is some of our favorite alone time together, it's just, I love, I'm not a good cook at all. I love, by the way, I don't, re, if I'm in charge of the meal, I don't want anybody else in there helping me. But if we go in collaboratively or I'm just her sous chef, that's totally different. I can be told what to do and, and have a good time. But when we're doing that, we love old time jazz. Uh, sometimes it's Sinatra, and, and other times it's just, this right here just washes over me. Then we'll decide maybe to watch the news a little bit, and whenever we watch the news after, after dinner, maybe dishes are on or whatever, we'll watch the news, and, and our catchphrase is this. Hey, you want to get angry? Yeah, let's turn the news on. Smiles with you, baby, baby. Yes, when you laughing. But when you're watching the news or you're listening to the news, make sure you select a certain amount. Gather the information, by the way, from several sources, and then unplug for a little while and let the soundtrack of your life wash over you. That's when you start thinking critically. Really think about what's going on. And remember, negative and positive emotions cannot occupy your mind at the same time. And if you've got any negativity, you've got fear, you've got anything going on, you're not going to be able to think as critically. Napoleon Hill was right when he said that negative thoughts and emotions are voluntary. Negative thoughts and emotions are voluntary. So what does that mean? Well, it means you've got to be consistent and conscious with your positive thoughts and your positive emotions. Recharge as often as possible in nature, whatever that looks like for you, walking outside, hiking, hunting, whatever it is, walking on a sidewalk, on a busy street, that's nature. Quiet your mind and gives consideration to world events and your consideration, your critical thinking engaged, be it national, statewide, your local area. What you really think matters. What do you think about the news of the day? One of the keys to all of this kind of talk is to be present. To be present in the moment. Abraham Maslow said, the ability, a bro, that's a, a bro, yo, a bro, <laughs> that would be a nice short for Abraham. Abraham Maslow said, the ability to be in the present moment is a major component of mental wellness. Being able to be present in the moment. I love the smartwatches, but have you ever talked to somebody who's wearing a smartwatch? 
it is almost impossible. And, and many of us are guilty of this with our smartphones in hand, but the watches have kind of made people feel a little bit invisible that when they're talking to you, that they can just still check that message looking at their watch. No, we know what you're doing. We've lost you. We know you're no longer present. You're gone. You're not present. I'd say if you're going to have a really deep, meaningful conversation or heaven forbid, let's say you're going to go meet with somebody, a client. Maybe you're going to go meet with a mortgage broker. You're going to go meet with somebody you really want to focus on. May I suggest you put your analog watch on? leave the smartwatch or turn it off completely as far as the world is concerned because we see you. We know you're not present. You know what I'd love to do? And this could help you remain in the present. I'd love to send you one of my custom minted coins because I, I had these minted specifically for the reason of being present. It's a reminder, a constant reminder to me and maybe to help you to be present. In fact, on the coin, it's got my entire philosophy of life. It says born to live on top of the world, beautiful custom inlaid artwork on the front on one side of the coin. The other side of the coin says look forward, learn from the past, live in the present. And then in a little, little tiny line around the rim, you have to look really close. It says you were born to live on purpose. I'd love to send you this coin right now. The first four who text the word coin at 907 2997653 I'll send you this coin compliments of the backyard millionaire The Lambo in the land of the blind have you heard the expression, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king? I heard that first from Michael E. Gerber. He's the author of the E-Myth series of books and, and speaking engagement. In fact, I was just talking to a, a nurse practitioner yesterday who specializes in functional medicine. And I mentioned Michael Gerber, not in this context, but in the context of food and uh, something he had said. And she goes, oh, I've met him. I was like, what? You've met Michael Gerber? One of my heroes. In the land of the blind, he said. The one-eyed man is king. So take your Lamborghini as far north as you can, to the farthest region, the farthest village north, and your Lamborghini becomes worth less. Not worthless, worth less. Still got some value, but you're going to take that value and deduct from it whatever it costs to ship it somewhere that you can actually use it. And so goes your amazing home, your wonderful apartment building in the worst neighborhood. So remember, yes, it really does come down to three things. Location. What's the other one? Location. And then what's the other one? Location. Plantations don't mean anything when... Do you mean to tell me, Katie Scarlett O'Hara, that terror, that land doesn't mean anything to you? White land is the only thing in the world worth working for, worth fighting for, worth dying for. Because it's the only thing that lasts. Oh, Paul, you talk like an Irishman. It's proud I am that I'm Irish. And don't you be forgetting, Missy, that you're half Irish too. And to anyone with a drop of Irish blood in them, why the land they live on is like their mother. And truthfully, I mean, yeah, location, location, location. But remember, the value truly is in the land. So land appreciates and uh, boards and timbers and things depreciate because of exactly what Will Rogers said, 
they ain't making any more of it in regards to land. They ain't making any more of it. So if you invest in the right land in the right area, your land will go up in value. But here's the thing. If you reinvest in your buildings, you reinvest into the property you've got just, I'm talking about everything from the roof, paint, I'm talking about driveway, I'm talking about all the accessories that go along with your land. Your rents are gonna go up commensurate with the market, making you more cash flow and increasing the value of your building. We talked about this before. When your rent is suppressed, you're actually reducing the value of your building, overall building. So it's a multi-pronged approach relative to valuation of rental properties. You've got to keep the rents up in order to keep the value of the building up. In order to do the maintenance you need and reinvest, you need also to have that cash flow. So if you've no doubt noticed, the cost of construction is astronomically high, almost epic. <laughs> I mean, it is just phenomenally high. So as a result, every two by four you own in your buildings right now, if you take good care of it, well, it's gonna be worth a lot more to you. With your Millionaire Minute, I'm Chris Story. Being afraid to fail is its own form of failure. If you get too comfortable where you are in the safety zone of the known and familiar, you may not fail in the normal sense of the word, yet, it maybe feel like one anyway. Whittier said, for all the sad words of tongue and pen, the saddest are these, it might have been. Look before you leap, but don't stare. Make a plan, but leave room for the white space of improvisation. Never let it be said that you could have been, or worse yet, if only I'd acted when. In this moment, you've got a chance. Look failure straight in the face and say, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Ghosts? That's all fear really is, isn't it? From the Backyard Millionaire, I'm Chris Story. What's your line? What's your, if you, Danny Meyer says every single human being, and by the way, he's the, the founder of many, many restaurants and one huge chain called Shake Shack. You've maybe heard of that. Uh, Gramercy Tavern, Union Square in New York City. He's an incredibly wealthy and successful restaurateur. Danny Meyer said one of the secrets is that he recognizes every single human being is wearing a t-shirt that says, make me feel important. But then he said there's a byline. There's a line underneath that that says, by blank. And so you could fill in the blank with almost anything. As many people as there are, there's going to be blanks to be filled in. So it could be by hearing me just listen. That's one of the most powerful ways on earth to, to make somebody feel like they matter is to actually listen to them. It's been often said, but so often we're just thinking about the next thing we're going to say, not really listening. Another way to make somebody feel important is by telling them that you matter. So what's your line? I think it's worth thinking about because you might find that however you feel like you matter, whatever it is that you could put on that t-shirt that says, make me feel important by, you might find you're not alone. You might find that that is exactly what you should be offering other people. How are you treating other people? Are you pulling out in front of them? Are you, do you acknowledge people that are below you in a station of life, beneath you on the ladder of life? I had a meeting with my dad years ago, probably 25 years ago. It was a young banker that my dad and I were meeting with, and I was looking to do uh, an increase um, 
buying it, buying a little business. My dad come along and the banker was yeah, scratching his head and really, and my dad said something I'll never forget. He said, you know, he said, treat people right on the way, on their way up the ladder and uh, they'll remember you when you're on your way down. And the young guy, the young banker laughed and I have no idea where he is today or what he's doing. I'm sure he's doing great. But I just thought about that a lot. So what's your t-shirt say? Make me feel important by. So fill that out. Think about that for a minute. And then think in terms of how can you treat other people and make them feel likewise important? Because every single person is. Hey, what's that smell? And what is realer than real? Well, we'll talk about that when we return to the Backyard Millionaire. Stick around. Direct from Homer, Alaska. Don't panic. Just come up with a good story. Here's the host of Backyard Millionaire, Chris Story. Someone asked me the other day what I hope to get out of my books. And you know what they were really asking. They were asking about the money. Like, do I have a goal uh, with my books? I've got three books out. And my, my first novel, my fourth book and first novel is set to... The pub date, which I set myself because I self-publish, is July 1. It's Tiffany's birthday, which, again, is rich, beautiful, because she doesn't like the book. So uh, I told her the other day, I'm just so grateful to finally have some adversity to overcome because she's so supportive about everything I do. And she's a great partner in business and life. And she's very honest with me. But, she, you know, everything else I've done, she's been like, oh, this is great. Yes, do it. This, this is awesome. This is solid. This book, she's like, no, mm -mm, I don't like it. And so now I finally have something to, she'll, she likes it. I shouldn't say she doesn't like it. There's a character in the book she can't stand. Eh, you know, she'll, she'll get past it. I mean, who knows? You might not be able to stand her either. But the truth of it is the books are written for me. The stories that live in my head, I've got to, for whatever reason, got to put them down in writing and put flesh around these stories. I've always enjoyed telling stories. I've always been drawn to storytelling, but also uh, watching, listening, reading stories myself. And so, you know, I take the money. Of course, I want to sell millions of copies, but it's not why I do it. And I'm sharing this with you because there may be something in life you want to do. There may be something that you've always wanted to try, but you're not sure if you can do it. You're not sure if it's right. You're not sure nobody's coming for you. Maybe nobody's called you to do it, but you've got an inner sort of yearning to do it. I know it's cliche, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's the journey. And I truly do love the journey. Like this radio show. I'm on a journey to 150 stations coast to coast, then ultimately 500. And it's a challenge. It is not easy. It is weekly meetings. It's weekly updates. It's pushing, calling, emailing. It ain't easy, but I'm loving the journey. And once you reach the goal, you're going to look back and you're going to go, hmm, it's pretty cool. I wonder, I wonder what else I could have done. Which leads me to a conversation about the show Tiffany and I are watching. I think I'll wait on that because I also want to talk about this market, this particular market, this city, I should say, that has had values, home values increase 350%. Are you kidding me? And realer than real. What is realer than real? 
Stephen Pressfield said, realer than real is what we all crave. And I think, I think if I were to put a word on that, I would just say authenticity. Maybe, maybe that's the wrong word. Maybe it's sincerity. But I've been thinking a lot about AI and chat GBT and the technology that we're going to be living with. If you're not already using it, you're going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be in our life very, very soon. It's here and it's going to be enveloping you. And I think more of us, if you're like me, you'll be craving real, something very, very real. And I don't know, you and I might be separated by many, many miles or years, uh, months. I don't know. I don't know whatever the year it is in your world, because you could be listening to this on a podcast a year from this moment in time or two or 10. But you're real. I'm real right here. This relationship is real. And I, I just think in this moment in time, with as much global uncertainty, economic uncertainty, I think we all are craving something real. I'm so grateful that I was able to grow up on 150 acres. We had several acres adjacent to my grandparents' acreage. And the bike I rode on gravel roads was real. Real walks to a country market for a popsicle on a summer day. The boat I grew up fishing on, crab pots, real things, real activities in the world, in the world. We used to take those for granted. Like, it was just going to always be that way. The cabin on the beach, where at night the only sounds were real sounds heard. Waves, seagulls lapping at the shore, real. And I'm saying all of this because you can find realness right here, right now. I am so happy that young people today are actually bringing LPs back, that they want these, these LPs in their life, they want these big turntables. AM and FM radio is having a moment again. It's been declared dead many times, isn't, ain't. It's real, real food. Um, Dr. Mark Hyman, Tiffany and I are reading his book right now. Actually, she's reading it to me, which sounds, <laughs> sounds funnier than it is. But um, I, we like to read books aloud to each other, mainly she to me, because I don't read well when I'm reading out loud. It's very, very stumbly. But Dr. Mark Hyman in his book, Forever Young, or Young Forever, I think that's the title, Young Forever, he says you should eat food that your grandmother would recognize, or your great-grandmother, depending on how old you are. If, if your grandmother, great-grandmother wouldn't recognize it, don't eat it. That's real, real food. You hear people talking about food stability and, and getting food out to be. What we need to be focused on is real food that feeds both body and mind. And then, of course, the one true investment that's real. Oh, you had to see this coming. You did, right? Real estate. The one tangible investment that you can count on for now and into the future. Real estate. Um, what, what's going to happen with Agenda 21? The United Nations Agenda 21, or excuse me, that's already happened. You saw what happened. Now 2030. The proclamation is you'll own nothing and be happy. No, I say you take that, turn it on its head, own as much as you can, and be in control of your future in your own backyard. 
The Great Reset is not a conspiracy. It's real. It's happening as we speak. And the one thing you can do about it physically, the one real thing that you can do to make a difference in your own life is to do the opposite of what you're being told. Own as much as you can. Have rents flowing to you like a river, no matter what's happening in the global economy, in your own backyard. Everyone needs a place to live. That is the one need you can supply that can never, never be put offshore or made irrelevant. Make your mark where you are with what you've got. Raku is two Japanese symbols. It's, it's become known for its pottery style, which we've misinterpreted here in America. But I love the original Japanese meaning of Raku, which means it perfectly imperfect. It's wabi-sabi. And this is an imperfect time, but you have a perfect opportunity to strike right now when the iron's hottest. I'm going to do a quick reading from my book, The Backyard Millionaire, um, but I think I'm going to wait on that. I think I'll do that in a minute. Because I, I want to talk about, yeah, I'm just going to put that out on hold because something happened in my life recently. I've told you a little bit about it, but not much. So I'll, I will talk about that uh, in a little bit after this next break. So don't, don't be sure to stick around for the whole program. Uh, Abro, as we now call him, Abro, Abraham Maslow, also said, what a man can be, he must be, this need we call self-actualization. So what you can be, you must be. This is called self-actualization. So this is the show I wanted to tell you about. Tiffany and I are watching. It's called The Big Door Prize. And it's weird. It's an odd show. Very odd. And I can't even tell you what town it's in. I don't even know if that matters. Some, I don't know, Missouri, wherever. It doesn't matter where it's set. It's really irrelevant. But it's a small town. And in this small town, there's a little store. And one of the first things I loved about it is... Did you remember Noel Shemsky from Frasier? I mean, probably the largest Frasier fan you'll ever meet. In fact, I belong to a, should I even say this? Yeah. I belong to a Frasier fan club on Facebook, which I can't believe it. It's embarrassing, but I love the show. Anyway, Noel Shemsky from the show, if you remember him, a little nerdy guy, is a storekeeper in this little town in somewhere USA. And this show, again, called The Big Door Prize, this machine shows up at a local little shop that Noel Shemsky's character owns. And it will, if you put in a couple of quarters, it's like a, a machine you sit inside of, and you put in a couple of quarters and it will tell you your life's potential. Like, what is your life's potential? And it's been sparking some conversations between Tiffany and I, as, as all good shows should, good stories do that. Well, do you want to know? Like, I mean, I know it's impossible. Machine can't tell you that, blah, blah, blah. Get, set that aside. But would you want to know? If it, could be, if it could be told to you, would you want to know? And then the question is, um, you know, what if you're already living that potential? Or what if it's a potential so far beyond what you can imagine that you're now suddenly unhappy? And it reminded me of Acres of Diamonds, which um, Russell uh, Conwell 
wrote. It really wasn't a book. It was a speech. It's been turned into a, a printed version of his speech. But he gave that speech thousands of times, crisscrossing the country, raising money for a college he wanted to start. And he, he himself was a pastor, and he spoke, but he spoke everywhere, all across the country, acres of diamonds. And the premise is that this guy was very happy and content. He had a family and a beautiful farm and, and a good life, and he was wealthy in many respects. But then along comes a, a little priest who tells him about diamonds and the wealth of diamonds. And the diamond the size of an egg could literally set up generations from now on thrones. This man had, could have so much wealth if he just had the egg-sized diamond. And so the farmer, the story goes, the farmer went to bed very poor that night because he suddenly realized there was so much more potential than he was living up to, and he became miserable. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read this, he dies penniless and, and alone and isolated from his family because he was in search of something that he thought was a potential that he could never reach and the truth of it was there was a diamond mine found in his own backyard of the farm he sold and walked away from so i'm just thinking about this show a lot and it's, it's making me head scratch and think hmm because some of the characters in the show and i'm not going to spoil it for you if you want to go watch it but some of the characters are like wow look at my potential and they start making some big changes and one of the main characters will his potential is exactly what he's doing. And it makes him sad. They say love is more precious than gold. It can't be bought and it can't be sold. I got love enough to spare that makes me Have you heard of the five love languages? Well, I have discovered a sixth love language, and I'll share that with you. Plus, where have home prices risen 350%? And what's that smell when we return to the Backyard Millionaire? She's my treasure so very rare. She made me a millionaire. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story, and you can find me online at ilovehomeralaska.com. ilovehomeralaska.com. By the way, all the coins are gone. Thank you. We've got four of those going out in the mail here shortly. But, of course, you'll have opportunities to win uh, more of our coins and also Backyard Millionaire T-shirts. So, uh, fear not, more shows to come. You've heard of the five love languages. Well, I have found a sixth love language, and it's called bidneth. <laughs> That's right, bidneth, spelled bidneth. No matter what you do, I'm telling you, you have two bidnethes. You have two, not just one, you have two. You have your earned income business, whatever that is, whatever you do for work, whatever it is you do for an income, and then you have your passive income business. Each has its own language. Business has a language, and if you speak that language, you can shorten your time to success. But you've got to be able to speak the language. So I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Tiffany and I have three businesses that, well, more than that, but I'll just tell you three businesses off the top that, that we run together. And 
underneath this business or um, how would you say it? Bidneth, this Bidneth umbrella, we have three distinct different languages. Each business takes a little bit different, a little bit different approach, if you will. So for example, we have a production company produces this, this program produces our on top of the world radio program produces podcasts it produces books and pamphlets and other materials tiffany's working on a course right now under story productions for staging your home staged to sell and so that's one business that we have to speak a certain language around then there's our real estate brokerage and that's a whole other business with nine team members and that it has a you know, it's, that's completely different. We've been doing that business for 21 years and speaking a different language there as our property business, our property ownership business and the personal management we do for our, our, for our own properties. So if you know your numbers and you know your own personal return on investment for your passive income and you know that language, you'll love your business. I love talking to retailers or any, anybody who's in a traditional business that you can see. Like, okay, they've got a storefront, that's the business. Have a service, have some sort of entity that exists and produces income. That's one business. Well, the sixth love language, business, says you also have a reverse or flip side to that, which is your real estate business. And maybe, maybe you lease. Maybe you lease your commercial space. Fine, leasehold is a legitimate way to control property. Maybe you're a tenant with your business, but it's still... It's something you need to know the language of. Be careful that you're understanding the progression of the lease and understand everything in it. So the sixth love language, never forget, always remember, is bidneth. <laughs> it's fun to speak with a lisp because I used to have one. So I'm of the lisp community. And uh, through a lot of patience, and, and I, when I say patience, I mean of the speech therapist that I saw, uh, and a lot of hard work, I can now speak without a lisp unless I wish to turn it on. In which case then I will accidentally find myself flipping back into that later, so I have to be careful. Do you smell that? Ooh, that smell. Can't you smell that smell? <laughs> yes, I can. And so can they. That's right. National Association of Realtors says that commercial buildings are turning to the power of odor to enhance the consumer or tenant experience. That's right. National Association of Realtors says matching an enticing visual space to a pleasant scent is what they're working on in commercial spaces specifically. I will warn you, if you try too hard with the odor thing, and let's say you're trying to cover, especially if you're trying to cover something up with another odor, mm -mm, don't do it. Ain't going to do it. You need to go in with some sort of activated charcoal, some sort of ozone, some professional help in getting rid of the source of that smell. Never try to combine. Never try to cover a smell with another smell, no matter how pleasant the second smell is. Research has shown, going back to the article, research has shown that a pleasing aroma not only can build positive connections to a brand, but also lift moods. Well, hello, anybody who's walked past a Cinnabon, or you know one of my favorites to walk by? Annie's. Those stupid hot dogs inside of a pretzel bun. Have you had one? Pretty amazing. And, and it's like when I walk by one of those booths in a mall, it's like it's just reaching out and grabbing me by the throat and pulling me towards it. It's, it's the power of odors that have been branded. The growing field is actually called scent marketing. Have you ever heard of it? Scent marketing, I had no clue. 
That's right. Well, they can lead to a 40% improvement in mood, certain smells. So I guess you'd have to call in a scent marketer to determine the smell. You think prices have gone up where you are? Try Austin, Texas. My sister lives there and her kids. Austin, Texas, average home price gone up over 350%. In fact, 354% in the last 25 years. Entrepreneur Magazine says that 400 cities were ranked. Austin, highest by a lot, actually. So in 1998, think about this. A home in Austin, Texas in 1998 would have run you, even in Round Rock, a suburb of Austin, would have run you around 100 to 115,000. Now, 435 since 1998. Imagine you'd invested in a few homes there over these past 25 years. All right, your eyes still closed. Imagine it's 25 years from now. Wherever your backyard is, be it Austin or anywhere, look around and you'll see outside your window, outside of where you are, millions of dollars worth of real estate, all within a stone's throw of where you are. So the question is, will you own and control four of them and retire a millionaire? Or will you be looking back and going, you know what, I could have paid for that? Do you know what, I mean, we all do it. You can't buy everything. And we all know, mm, you know what, I could have paid for that? Just pre-pandemic, Tiffany and I were looking in Cedar Key, a little island in Florida. We were looking at a condominium, decided not to do it. And you know what we could have paid for that in 2020? <laughs> a lot less than today. So it doesn't even take 25 years. Remember, it's who you become on your path to becoming a backyard millionaire. It isn't just about the money. Yeah, you'll take the money. The money will follow, but it's more about who you become and looking for those opportunities and asking yourself the tough questions like, will I be in charge of my own destiny? Your health, your wealth, and your happiness is the underpinning of this show. Your health always comes first. That's why it's health, wealth, happiness. Because if you have the first two figured out, I'm predicting the third takes care of itself. Tiffany was recently in the hospital. And I am here to tell you, for those days that she was hospitalized, nothing else mattered. Nothing. Period. End of story. The properties, no businesses, nothing mattered in that moment. That's why health comes first. Health, wealth, happiness. So I was reading through The Backyard Millionaire this morning, just kind of looking some stuff up because I'm, now that I finished the second Jacob Mann book, the first novel in the series, the second book, I'm returning to finish The Schoolyard Millionaire, which is the sequel or the second in the Millionaire series. And so I was just referencing something and I came across this, this little paragraph and I wanted to share it with you, or a couple of paragraphs actually. So this is in The Backyard Millionaire, How to Create Wealth, Where You Are, What You've Got, published in 2020. You can pick it up wherever books are sold. Um, so Oscar and August are having this conversation in a little restaurant. And August says to Oscar, it's easy to say when you have all the money you need, when you've got enough or better yet more than enough. If you're like me trying to make ends meet every month, this sounds like a bunch of bull. I could feel my face flush. No offense, I I'm just saying. Oh, I hear you, August. And remember, you cannot offend me. Oscar's now familiar crooked smile told me he was enjoying this. And he said, go on. I'm just saying, look, when you've got money, it's easy to say all this stuff, right? Like, my family's all that matters. And oh, how lucky you are. You have your health. Oscar reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a leather-bound checkbook. 
August says, I already paid for lunch. He says, yes, and thank you. Nothing I love more than a free lunch. We both laughed. This is for you, Oscar said as he began to make out a check. Wait, what? Why? How much? How much for what? What do you mean? How much for a kidney? You've got two of them, right? What, what if I needed one? What's it worth to you? Oh, I see. You're making fun of me. No, not at all. Okay, how about uh, a lung then? If not a kidney, how about a lung? Or your legs, or better yet, just the use of your legs. What would you sell the use of your legs? How about a million dollars? Oscar was poised over his checkbook, pen in hand, ready to write. Of course not. I get it. Yes, health is worth a lot. But still, but still what? You have a healthy body, a clear mind, and a beating heart. You wouldn't accept any amount of money in exchange for any of that, right? Right. Then there it is. There's nothing else to say. You're a $10 million man. You're a $100 million man. Once you get your head wrapped around that, the money part becomes a game. And it really is. Without your health, without the health of a loved one, your world will stop turning. In future episodes of Backyard Millionaire, we're going to be bringing you segments on Blue Zone Living. Are you familiar with these? Blue Zone Living is at the, at the, the epitome of what's happening around the world where people are living longer, not just living, but living on purpose and living with passion longer than other people and quality of life. So we're going to be talking about that with some people that are in the business and understand health far better than I do. But I knew no one thing. Absent health, no matter the wealth, you will not be happy. You've got to have your health. Thank you for being here with me. I want to invite you to go to my website, ilovehomeralaska.com. Join me there. Send a question. People do all the time. I love to answer questions off air or on, usually off. Um, yeah, connect with me there, ilovehomeralaska.com. I appreciate you being here. I really do feel like this is real. Like I said earlier, this is real. It exists. It's in the world. And I'm proud to be on this journey with you. For David Webb and myself, I'm Chris Story reminding you, to look forward in life. Set your goals and look forward, but don't live there. Learn from the past. Yeah, you've made some mistakes or you've done some things right, but you don't live and rest on your laurels. You look back, you learn, and you move ahead. And never forget that the good life, and this truly is the truth, the good life is here, right here in the present. We'll see you next time. Imagine what you want And get out of the way Remember, energy follows thought, so be careful what you say. Be careful what you ask for, make sure it's really what you want. Because your mind is made for thinking, and energy follows thought. Your mind is in control. Even when you do not know And if you let it idle Ain't no telling where it'll go Whatever you are sleeping And your dreams take you away